So, Ben, how many emails a day do you get from the Trump campaign? Oh, dozens, right? <laughs> ben Kamisar covers politics for NBC News. Hmm, what are they asking for? Like, what are they about? Money. All asking for money. All of them. Even the ones that are just like, hey, girl, you up? (laughs) (laughs) Everything's asking for money these days, right? That's the engine that makes everything, you know, everything go. These emails don't just ask for money. Most of the time, they sound like Donald Trump's personal blog entries. Friend reads one from a week ago. On my drive back from the federal courthouse, where I was processed, read my rights, and heard that I could spend the rest of my life in prison as an innocent man, I thought, this was truly a sad day for America. Then a few paragraphs down, if you are doing poorly due to the sinister forces who run Washington, D.C. right now, don't even think about donating. But if you can, please make a contribution to save America during this dark chapter in our nation's history. The money Trump collects like this gets hoovered up into his joint fundraising committee, which then decides where it all goes. And 90% of it so far goes to his presidential campaign. Stuff like rallies and television ads. Any money he needs to spend on his direct presidential campaign. Um, But 10% of that gets kicked out to another group. It's called a leadership pack. That pack's called Save America. And that is um, the one that really handles all the other stuff. There isn't a really great definition of what you can use that for. Sounds like a slush fund. It has been called a slush fund by a lot of people. You can't use it for personal use. You can't use it for your direct, you know, campaign expenses. But what about that middle stuff, you know, before you're a candidate? What's Trump using it for? Trump's using it predominantly for legal fees right now. Huh. So Trump's campaign is simultaneously operating as a GoFundMe for the former president's legal fees? 90 cents on every dollar to the campaign, 10 cents to the fund. You know, we're seeing about two-thirds of his spending is going to legal fees. Today on the show, Ben is going to help us follow Trump's campaign money straight to the courthouse. Is this fundraising legal? And even if it isn't, does it matter? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. Donald Trump's campaign is being fueled by three groups. The first two we've already talked about, his campaign account and the Save America PAC. That's the one covering his legal fees. Having a bunch of places to donate like this, it's not rare. So I asked Ben, if I was a regular old presidential candidate who did not have to pay quite as many attorneys as Donald Trump, what would I be doing with a PAC like Save America anyway? As a presidential candidate, um, you would be using it, you know, you could give checks of about $5,000 to all of your people who have endorsed you or all of the people you want to endorse you or, you know, just common cause types things. You could be donating that to charities. You could be donating it to, to local political groups. It's a way to win friends and influence people. Exactly. Win friends and influence people. So there's Trump's campaign account. There's Trump's leadership pack. That's the one paying his legal fees. But there's also a third organization, MAGA Inc., That's a super PAC, so it can accept unlimited contributions, but it cannot directly coordinate with the campaign at all. The rules here are a little porous, though, which is how just before Trump officially launched his 2024 run for office, 
the Save America Leadership PAC was able to transfer millions of dollars to this MAGA super PAC. And so the broad idea of that was to raise all this money, send it over to the super PAC and have that super PAC effectively be the blessed group um, that will stand on the outside and work for Trump's reelection with the benefit of $60 million that Donald Trump raised for it. Hmm. Disclosure reports came out at the end of July that sort of revealed a little bit about what's been happening with all this money back and forth between these PACs. What did it show? Like, what happened with that $60 million gift that Trump kind of gave to himself there? Yeah, so when we saw him make that transfer at the end of, I believe, in October, November, it was a signal of, oh, okay, they're gearing up to spend all this money on the outside for his presidential bid. It was a nice little nest egg to start running ads in Iowa and, you know, in New Hampshire and television ads across the country, start doing door knocking, all the things that an outside group would do to help further a presidential candidate. So what was interesting is when we looked at the filings that came out at the end of last month, we saw ultimately that the Save America PAC had actually asked for a refund for more than $12 million of the money that it gave to MAGA PAC. Basically, this group asked for a refund of a gift that it gave the super PAC. This is obviously weird and raises questions about why and how these PACs are working together. Whatever you think about that, one fact is undisputed. Last month's filings show that Trump and his associates are spending a ton of money on lawyers. You know, that's it's a staggering amount. $20 million in legal fees is a staggering amount, especially when you consider that the legal jeopardy for Donald Trump is hardly over, right? We haven't had really cases in earnest. It's just getting started. <laughs> it's just getting started. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of legal spending, knowing that you have a lot more legal spending to go. And I think one other thing to point out about how much money this is, that Save America Group spent about $30 million in total, right? We said $20 million on legal and then $30 million in total in the first six months of 2023. They ended that month, end of June, with just $4 million in the bank. So, but for the money that they clawed back from the super PAC, they would have ended 2023, at least the first six months of it, in the red. So that kind of gets you at, you know, the implication, the need to bring that money back and kind of the, the implications of what this is doing. It's kind of sucking up a lot of the money that could be going elsewhere to help his campaign. Do we know if Trump is spending any of his own money on the multiple cases brought against him? What we can't see is what what he's paying to his lawyers because there's no federal law that requires you to disclose how much you're paying to your lawyers, right? You know, whatever deals, whatever, you know, contracts he has between him and his lawyers, whether they're on retainer, paying hourly, whatever, that's all just a private deal between him and those folks. It's nothing that needs to be disclosed under any laws like campaign spending in many cases does need to be disclosed under the law. Maybe you're wondering, if Donald Trump is crowdsourcing his legal bills, who exactly is picking up the tab? The answer turns out to be a lot of people. The reason why is partially structural. Trump does have big-name donors, a casino magnate, a prominent Scientologist, his son-in-law Jared Kushner's dad. But people with deep pockets tend to want to cut big checks. They can only do that by donating to the super PAC, which does not limit how much a donor can spend. The super PAC, though, is not paying Trump's lawyers. The PAC that is, is the Save America PAC, and it's funded mostly by smaller online donations. Each donor can only give a few thousand dollars. They're often giving much less. 
The thing that makes Donald Trump's um, fundraising universe so interesting is he relies on so many of these online donors. He's got an army of online donors, frankly, that's unmatched anywhere we can look in Republican politics. You mean people who are just giving a little bit at a time, not like high rollers. Exactly. What Donald Trump does really better than most people is he's got an army. We were doing the some analysis of this, about almost 400,000 unique online donors. Those are people that are largely giving small amounts that Donald Trump can largely just hit up constantly um, and ask for more money. So that's the really the foundation of his um, donor universe and one that's really, really, really big asset for him. Hmm. As Trump is brought to court again and again, like with indictment after indictment, is that having any impact on this fundraising? Yeah. I mean, so far we've been looking and have found that the days and weeks surrounding these indictments have been big fundraising days for him. Oh, so it's positive. It's not like it's scaring these folks away. It's definitely not scaring these folks away. I mean, they've been his some of his bigger fundraising days have been the days and weeks around these indictments. Um, the first indictment, the one in um, New York, was the, was the biggest spike of the period that we looked at. The second indictment was a smaller spike, but still a significant one. I mean, and and they're not just it's not just bringing in money; it's also bringing in new unique donors to the fold. So it's snowballing. Exactly. You're bringing in more money that you can spend, you know, on your presidential campaign and, you know, I guess 10 percent of it going to your legal fees or to the Save America, which could pay for the legal fees. But you're also bringing in more people and sort of, you know, expanding that donor base again and again and again. It's it's the intensity is going down, but it's still significant each time. After the break. Is any of this legal? And are these donations enough to cover Trump's ever-increasing bills? Can I ask a pretty basic question? Is it legal for Trump to be using his campaign to fund his legal cases? Like, I know this is a dispute, so I'm kind of curious if you can lay out the arguments on both sides here. Yeah, I'd say probably. Um, probably. <laughs> so first off, we'll say that the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, it, it, it has, you know, commissioners for both sides of the aisle. Um, we've largely seen on any big question, the Republican appointees will vote with the Republican side. The Democratic appointees will vote with the Democratic side. So a lot of these big questions end up getting deadlocked. And deadlocked basically means you can't tell me I can't do it. And so, you know, there's two pieces of this. Can Donald Trump raise money to both his presidential campaign and to Save America, um, yes, yes, he can. That's totally fine. Can Save America then turn around and spend money on those legal fees as well? Probably, because the argument, right, from the Trump side is that this is related to the broader politics. This is related to Donald Trump's broader political future. Even if this isn't directly related to his campaign, it's all related to Donald Trump's political stature. Like keeping him out of prison is like a political choice. Donald Trump's up 20 plus points in the polls right now, right? You could almost argue that the best <laughs> the best money being spent right now to further his polit actual political aspirations is to limit his legal liability, right? Because there is a world that exists where Republicans don't break with Donald Trump unless he's convicted. But certainly you could argue the greatest threat to Donald Trump being president in 2025, taking the oath of office in 2025, isn't anyone on the debate stage with him and isn't any Republican, isn't even necessarily Joe Biden. It could be whether his, what his legal um, exposure is. So you could make the argument that 
it's all interlinked that his legal future is his political future, his political future is his legal future. And then it kind of sort of makes the argument that, of course, you can spend on his legal fees. But I've even seen like a Republican election lawyer quoted saying that he believed that using Save America donations to pay Donald Trump's personal legal expenses now that he's a candidate is an excessive contribution under Federal Election Commission precedent. Does that not matter? It could. And I think another big question here comes from the super PAC, right? He's probably on more solid ground on whether Save America can use money that Save America raised to pay for his legal fees. But the bigger question may be, can Save America take money back from the super PAC, money that from a group that they're no longer allowed to be, you know, functionally coordinating with, can they ask for a refund and then use that money on legal fees? Is that in of itself just, you know, hey, I'm asking for a refund just like you might ask for a refund if you buy something at the store and you don't like it and you want it back? Or is it basically the same thing as the super PAC giving you know, 12 plus million dollars to help fund Donald Trump's legal fees. Because if the super PAC wrote a check, handed it to Donald Trump and said, here, go spend this on your legal fees, that would get dicey. So the question is, what is this under the law? Okay, whether what Trump is doing is legal or not, it does seem like his campaign is at something of a juncture right now when it comes to funding his legal expenses, mostly because the fees are ramping up and there's far less in the coffers, right? Yeah, I mean, ending that period with $4 million uh, that Save America did is certainly not a place you want to be. I mean, candidly, I'm not give, you know, probably giving up my tricks of the reporting trade, but every time I get an email um, from Donald Trump for president asking for money, the first thing I do is I click through and I see, okay, are they still doing 90-10? Are they still giving 90% of that money hmm. to the campaign and 10% of it to, the, to Save America? Or have they shifted it so they can fund more legal cases? Yeah, because they can do that if they want. And I think if you start seeing that number move from 90-10 to 80-20 or 70-30 or whatever, that's a sign that they need to replenish that, that those coffers fast. Yeah. One way he could save money is he could fund fewer legal cases because Trump is not just footing the bill for himself. Part of the deal is that he's saying, I'm going to foot the bill for other people who are ensnared in legal jeopardy alongside me. Do you think there's any chance that, you know, we change not just how much money is going to fund Trump's legal fund, but who the legal fund is funding? I think that, you know, these things are all interconnected in the sense that it's possible you see him start paying for less folks. But I think there's, you know, without having talked to the lawyers and not having been in the room as they make these decisions, there's a reason why they're paying for these folks. It's it's because they believe it's furthering or presumably they believe it's furthering Trump's interests as well. I think the important point here um, is that this is not the only way Donald Trump can pay his legal fees. He could also pay his legal fees through or he may also be paying his legal fees or portions of it um, through his own personal wealth. So there are a lot lot of potential avenues here. So I think I would be hesitant to say that, you know, the the walls are closing in because we don't know what those other avenues out there are like. But certainly from what we can see, the legal fees are sucking up a lot of money that could be going um, to help him with his presidential campaign in a lot of different ways. It's interesting to me to look at where we are with Trump and his fundraising and his legal fees, because... Part of how the United States system works legally is that it's very, very expensive. And that's like part of why it's a deterrent, because 
going to court, you're just giving a lot of money, you're doing a lot of billable hours. And so it's not something anyone enjoys except for maybe the lawyers. And I'm not sure they even enjoy it. And the thing about how Trump is raising money is that it insulates him from that pain. But I wonder, as that insulation gets thinner, how you think about how the campaign will respond. I wonder if you think there's a chance that this is all going to catch up with him because it'll just get so expensive that you can't keep funding it in this way. And then maybe that deterrent effect will feel it in one way or another. I mean, it's certainly possible. But I think what I would say is as these indictments continued to pile up. As you look at the court dates all interspersed on a calendar next to the primary and the election calendar next year, I think you could make the argument, and I probably, I I will make the argument that Trump's legal future is tied in with his political future to the point that there really is not much separation, right? The, The hardest fight that Donald Trump probably has ahead of him, at least until the general election, isn't necessarily against Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley. It's probably against insert, you know, prosecutor A, B, or C, or potentially or D. It becomes a political fight. I mean, he's running ads on television attacking the prosecutors in a way that people would run ads attacking their, you know, their political opponents because they sort of are his political opponents through his lens. He's not going up on the air in Iowa as much because he doesn't need to. He's up by 20. He's going up on the air in Georgia this week, running an ad attacking Fannie Willis ahead of a potential indictment. I think that that is an important sign of how everything here is kind of linked for him in a way that kind of bucks how we normally think about legal jeopardy in politics. Hmm. Do you think Trump's going to end up having to make a decision to prioritize his campaign versus his legal fees at some point, like cut back on campaign spending in one way, pay his lawyers? I don't know. And that's why I'm I'm paying attention to this allocation, right? If they're starting to move the fundraising allocation more toward the group that pays for his legal fees, I think it'd be an interesting sign. But at the end of the day, he has this massive group of online donors. And I just, I really want to underscore this again. The debate thresholds, anyone that's trying to make the debate thresholds uh, for the first Republican debate, the RNC just says, hey, you just have to have 40,000. That's a high enough bar that we consider you, you know, a serious candidate. Donald Trump had 400,000. And so when you think about this renewable resource, it's pretty significant. It sort of reminds me of like, you know, a prime Michael Phelps or a Katie Ledecky, like you swimming around with a weight around your neck. Like, yeah, you're probably going to do worse, but you're still Michael Phelps. You're still Katie Ledecky. You're still going to be pretty good, all things considered. As this legal jeopardy continues for him, it's going to be interesting to see if that dissuades any of these donors or if it just galvanizes them and makes this sort of renewable resource even more powerful. Ben, I'm super grateful for your time and your reporting. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. Ben Kamisar is the deputy political editor for the NBC News Political Unit. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Madeline Ducharme, and Anna Phillips. Ben Richmond is the senior director of podcast operations here at Slate. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little boost from Susan Matthews. And I'm Mary Harris. You can go track me down on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. All right. Talk to you tomorrow. Hold up. 